Last week, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 3, we can make our way there. I'm going to have a short review this morning. Last week, um, I touched on and began to, uh, I guess, bring out my thoughts on praying boldly. I had mentioned that I felt like the Lord, as I was studying and preparing, well, before I could get to study and prepare, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just bombarding me with questions. And the questions weren't to make me feel shame and condemnation. No, that's not from the Lord. But the questions were convicting me. And they were very pointed to me. And, and why don't you pray more? Do you have faith in prayer? Why don't you ask in faith? And, and along these sorts of lines, and I just felt this bombardment from the Holy Spirit really convicting me of, Eric, do you believe for the things that you're speaking out? And I want us to, to sort of uh, work through these things, if you would, with me, so that we're not just speaking empty words, but the things that we pray out we believe for in faith, because while praying is better than not praying, we really need to couple our prayers with faith, and it's in that, in that place of speaking things out of belief that God can and will, or already has moved on our behalf, that I think we will see the answers. And, and I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, your walk, and, and the things that you're praying for in your life, but... I think it's so easy for us to fall prey to getting into this sort of rut of rote prayers. I'll never forget when I was a child, you know, dad would tuck us in at night and he would pray and we would pray and um, there was this prayer that at some point I had turned to memorize, I guess, and it just rattled off the tongue, amen. And dad, gently, Eric, do you mean the things that you're praying? Or is that something that you have not thought about? And of course, I, being an embarrassed child, lied to my father. I said, oh yeah, I mean everything I was praying. Yeah, I, thank you, dad. For, yeah, but I'm, I'm good. I mean those things. And I just sat for the next probably hour in bed, totally convicted of, not only did I just lie to my dad, but <laughs> here I am not even reverencing the words that are coming out of my mouth. I wonder if we can take a moment and evaluate our hearts. Say, do I believe for these things? Lord, bless this food. Thank you for this food. Do we mean it? Or is that something that we do because, oh, that's what we always did? Kids, don't take a bite. We haven't blessed the food yet. Why do we bless the food? Why do we come together on Wednesdays and pray for this, that, and the other? Do we believe for the things that we're asking? So that's the heartbeat of, of where I'm at. Uh, last week we looked at, in 2 Samuel, um, I'm not going to go there, King David. Um, here he was and he had his unfortunate sin with Bathsheba and the child was um, sentenced to death by God, the prophet Nathan, comes to him and he fasts and prays that he might change God's mind. Bold prayers. We're talking about bold prayers. Context of that. Moses, in Exodus chapter 33, he asks God to show me your glory. God says, well, I'm not going to let you see my face, but I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and you can see my back. 
We looked at a third one in Jesus, Matthew chapter 26, where he prays thrice in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. But if, if so, Lord, can you remove this cup from me? And what we see in these three prayers, these pre three requests, are anointed individuals, well, and the Son of God, but two other set apart, we think of heroes of the faith, Moses and David would certainly be up there on the list. And yet, they did not receive the answers they were seeking. And I want us just to, to be reminded of that, in case you weren't with us, or if you've forgotten in the last six days, I hope not. I hope you've just been, wow, that sermon was so good. You've just been thinking about it every day, right? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Don't say anything. <laughs> because I think it's so often that we, we, we give up our prayer and our passion for seeing God move because we don't get the answer that we want. And, and God doesn't move the way we want when we want Him to. And so I wonder sometimes, if, if we were honest with ourselves, if we could really objectively look back over our prayer history. You know, God keeps a chat log, by the way. You think Google's scary. God knows every word that comes out of your mouth with a timestamp on it. And He knows the intent and the motive behind it. And I think if we could just, you know, look back through our history of, our search history, our prayer history, if you will, boy, it might be convicting to us to say, you know what, I used to have faith for this, but I don't know that I believe for that anymore. Or I didn't really mean that when I prayed that. If we could just get into that moment and, and say, you know what, I got discouraged. You know, honestly, Pastor, I got discouraged. I was praying for this and I believed for it. And I believed genuinely that I wanted to see these, happen, these things happen. But then I got discouraged because I didn't get the results that I wanted. And so I want us to understand that, that even Moses, Jesus, and David prayed things they did not get a response to. But no doubt in my mind, that did not change the way that they viewed God and they did not give up on prayer. Now, it was near the end of Jesus' time here on earth, so we don't know what came of that, much of that. David certainly did not turn his back on God. Moses certainly did not turn his back on God. And I want you to just be encouraged that, that even those great men, anointed in the Son of God, prayed something and did not get the response they wanted. Now, I, I think if we believed prayer worked, we really believed that it affected things, I think we would all be doing it more. That's, that's a very harsh, don't judge, Pastor. Let's not, you know, oh, no, I know, I know, I know. Judge not. You don't know my heart. No, you're right, I don't. But I do know that a prayer meeting at this church is poorly attended for the last, oh, I don't know, six, seven years. One hour a week. Now, prayer meeting is one place to pray. I don't know what you do in your privacy of your home. I don't. I'm not going to pretend like I do. And you don't have to be at a prayer meeting to pray. For all I, you, you can do that driving down the road. Some of you might, might not be able to make the commitments. Absolutely. What I'm saying is, 
I think if we genuinely, if we were all honest with ourselves, wanted to see God move in this place, in our lives, in our work, in our home, in, our new, in the New River Valley, I wonder why our prayer meetings wouldn't be packed out. Now, I don't want you to receive any condemnation, but I, I just want you to think about that. We meet with God on Sunday because some of us, it's tradition. Some of us, we genuinely want to be changed. Some of us, we like to be filled and, and re-encouraged. I, whatever the reason is that you're here, why are those same reasons not valid even for prayer? Even if they're just kind of selfish, Lord, feed me. Do you know you can get fed at a prayer meeting? I, I, in my flesh, I dread prayer meetings. There are so many things that I would rather be doing on a Wednesday at 5.30. So many things. I haven't been able to come consistently the last uh, about three months because Caleb's been having baseball, which just wrapped up. But I will say that every single time I come, I walk away refreshed. Without fail. Without fail. All right. I'm getting a little down a little rabbit trail, but I think genuinely, if we were honest, if we believed prayer worked, we would commit more of it. And not just on Wednesday nights, not just Sunday morning. There's a prayer room open, by the way. Come in, pray, sir, pray before service and say, you know what, God? I'm just going to pray for 10 minutes for the pastor and, this, and the worship team that this service would be anointed. Come do that. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I think we could all give up 10 minutes. Don't get discouraged by seemingly unanswered prayer just because you didn't get what you wanted immediately after you prayed for it, does not mean that you should stop asking for those kinds of prayer. Moses was not necessarily wrong in asking to see God's face, nor was David wrong in asking for his child to be raised back up. Now, and remember, sometimes this waiting is a long period. I gave two examples last week, and we're going to get into some scripture here in a minute. The, the man that was Jesus healed at the pool of Bethesda, he waited 38 years for his healing, okay? It's a long time. Now, we don't know the whole context of how much he really prayed or whatever, but certainly he wanted healing, and he was down at the pool every day trying to get in before everyone else. Daniel fasted and prayed 21 days was the other example I gave. 21 days. I challenge us all by asking this. Have you fasted and prayed 21 days for anything in your life? All right. Acts chapter 3. We're going to go to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. That's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon or so, the hour of prayer. I like when we have an hour of prayer. You ever catch that? What if we divided our days up? Oh, this is the hour of worship. This is the hour of prayer. Oh, snack time. You're back to Sunday school. This is the hour of lesson. This is the, another hour of prayer. Oh, you can have some dinner. There is a time set aside and set apart to praying. Now, we can pray anytime, anywhere, and as we should, pray without ceasing. But there's something about congregational or communal prayer that is different. God is with you. Absolutely, yes, He is. You can pray in the Spirit at all times, and you should. When two or three are gathered together, He promises to be in our very midst and there's the assembly. This is what the assembly and the importance of it is that we're binding and loosing things together. And on that account, the authority that when, when people come together in the name of Christ, that forms an assembly. And it's, 
It's against the, that that the, the, the gates of hell will not prevail, that assembly. That's what is the, the power in the church, is when we come together as two or three, okay? Now, Peter and John go up to the temple, and they're in this hour of prayer, verse 2. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, how long had he been lame? Since his mother's womb. Was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. In order, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Oh boy, here it comes. It's my big day. I won the lottery. They're going to give me some money. And Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. I don't know about you, but that's faith. Now, I don't know what Peter and John heard from the Holy Spirit, but here they are just going in to pray. They're now filled with the Holy Ghost. This man says, money. You got any money? Money? I don't got any of that, but I do have something walk. And there's not, as far as we can tell, any exchange. And Peter stopped and prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? I wonder if I should go pray for that guy. Hmm, Lord, do you want me to pray for him? He just says, I'm going to give you what God wants to give you. And I, because I've spent time with God, I know what is on his heart. And in his heart is that you would have life, life abundantly. And so he speaks it out in faith, get up and walk. In seizing him, this, this words are followed up with action, with faith. He grabbed him by the hand and says, guess what? You're going to walk. And he pulls him up and immediately to his feet and his, his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Now, how many of us have ever prayed for a miracle that scared you to death because you saw somebody was hurting or in pain or whatever, and you're like, I'm not comfortable, but I know God wants to heal them, and I'm going to pray it anyway. Have you ever done that? I've done it. Prayed for people to get out of wheelchairs. Prayed for people to rise up out of their caskets. Things that are uncomfortable. This is what I'm talking about, okay? But I was not willing, even though I'm praying the right thing, and like, Lord, help me in my weak faith, basically, I never pulled somebody up by the arms out of the casket. Because that's what happened here. Notice when his ankles and his legs were strengthened. When he pulled him up. And I wonder if, you know, we're, we think we're doing the right thing by having faith. And we're saying, God, I'm going to go pray for them. That's, that's faith, God. You ask me to pray, I'm going to pray. And then we stop just short of putting our faith to works. I wonder how many of those situations we would have seen a manifestation if we got a little reckless like those that are known for abusing it. Maybe all of that televangelism abuse, there, maybe there is something to faith. Benny Hinn punching people in the gut because God told him to. <laughs> 
Oh, you got cancer? God heals you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> True stories. I don't have that faith. I want that faith. I don't want to punch people. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit. But I also want to be so submitted to Christ that I'd be willing to make a fool of myself. And sometimes I think we like are bargaining with God. Well, God, I made it this far. I put myself out there for you. And we think we're all good. We're puffing ourselves up, right? Yeah, well, I, that was very uncomfortable, God. You know that I did the right thing there. And God said, yeah, but I wanted you to pull him up by the hand and say, walk. Take it or leave it. Uh, where are we? So he's, he, verse 8, he with a leap... He stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were talk, taking note of him. As being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. Now there's testimony that comes out of healing. That's a whole other sermon for another time. What does God want? He doesn't do miracles just to do miracles, although he can. God does miracles, and they always point to himself. It's to bring glory to himself that there would be wonder and amazement, to confirm the word with signs and wonders. That's what's going on here, okay? Now, sometimes in prayer, God wants you to wait because he has a better plan. That's what was going on with Jesus, obviously. Jesus says, Lord, please remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not as I, but as you will. Clearly, Jesus had to go through with the crucifixion, because God's plan was to save the world. No doubt in my mind, this man always wanted to be healed. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, we don't really know if he had believed for healing, but I'm sure there was a moment in him where he was envious of somebody with strong legs, and he wanted to do normal things, and he was tired of being carried around for 38 years and begging outside in the hot sun at the temple gate. But it's interesting to think that this man had been lame from birth, from his mother's womb, chapter 3, verse 2. How old was he? Chapter 4, verse 22, I believe. Says he was more than 40 years old. When did Jesus ascend to heaven? Wasn't long, long before this, was it? He used to sit outside the temple gate every day asking for alms. Do you think Jesus ever passed him? Hmm. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Now, I don't have an answer to that other than my speculation. My hunch is this. Sometimes God says, wait, so that his name can be glorified and magnified at the appointed time. Jesus, no doubt, could have healed him, as he did with everyone else. I just wonder if this was something that God knew outside of time, the end from the beginning. You know what? Peter and John not only need this in their ministry to confirm the things that have just taken place in the upper room, 
but also the people of Jerusalem need to see that the same Holy Spirit is residing on them, and it was not just on this prophet they crucified. Sometimes you don't get an answer to prayer, not because you are asking the wrong things, but because God wants to do something else at a different time. Now, pardon me while I take some liberty here. We don't know why Jesus didn't heal him, but no doubt Jesus passed him in my mind. But again, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty this morning, and I see that I'm going down some things here. We're not going to get through all three of these, but there are three things that I'm pulling out of this passage, and I invite you to come back next week and hear the rest of them. Number one, perhaps this lame man has accepted his condition. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Maybe he felt that because he was always that way, that God, I'm speculating here. Now, I'm, I'm reading into Scripture. There's some points that I want to glean from this. Maybe he felt that God sort of wanted him that way, or God didn't want to be bothered. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's, begin, that's really what I began to touch on last week, this, this idea of making presumptuous prayers, making bold requests to God. But, but what if this man was lame for 40 years because he never thought to ask for healing? Well, that's the way I'm born. What is the condition that you have had since your mother's womb that you have failed to ask for for healing. And it doesn't just have to be physical healing. Oh yes, we sit and we beg outside the temple, too unworthy to even enter. Get the picture here. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We beg outside his presence for man to intervene for something in our life, whether it was our fault or not, Rather than going to the creator and the provider who can change the set of circumstances in our life and bring about a miracle for his own glory. What in your life have you been given since your mother's womb that you have not gone to God and said, God, I want this touch, this provision, this anointing for 40 years. He said outside the presence of God. He allowed the master, the healer, to walk past him. And as far as we know, never reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Peter and John, they're walking by. This man did not ask for healing, did he? I just wonder if he had accepted his condition. Well, this is how I am. I wonder if you've accepted your condition. Now, we're talking about not only recognizing that we have a need. I don't know what the need is in your life. Okay, there's some obvious needs. I've got a physical need in my life. There's a monetary need. But again, just like this man, sometimes it's 40 years of, of just not knowing any better, just kind of become dull and ignorant to it. We don't even know what God is capable of doing because we just, 
We're unassuming. That's where I want to take us into that next level. I can't tell you what that request is, but I want you to see through Scripture what the kinds of requests you can be making that are totally within the realm of possibilities. But see, it's not just recognizing the need. That's the first step. But we then need to be bold to ask God for that healing. How many turn to man for handouts when we should be asking God for healing, provision, or breakthrough? And in this sort of metaphorical sense, we would, it's easier for us to turn to the things of the world and, and fix our own problems and solutions, or make our own solutions than turn to God and figure them out, asking for alms instead of healing. And again, I, I want to just remind you, build your faith with the boldness of the scriptures from last week, that our Abraham, he was bargaining with God about cities and saving them, sparing these cities. Very presumptuous of me, of, of him in my opinion. Jacob's wrestling with God and says, I want a blessing. I'm not letting you go until you, until you bless me. Moses asked to see God's glory. I've mentioned that already. Elijah, he prayed and and these, these oxen were consumed in the altars, and all these prophets were put to shame, and they ended up and eventually got killed. Elijah dared to call on God without explicit permission or instruction. Again, we see later that Elijah prayed for drought, and there was a drought in the land. And then years later, he actually prayed for rain, and the rain came. It's almost as if the weather obeyed Elijah because of the anointing that was on him. And then and then not only is that crazy enough, but Elisha, who comes after him, he prays for a double anointing of, of that man. Bold prayers. We're talking, these are the kinds of things you say, is it really wrong to pray for double the anointing of Billy Graham or whoever, who, whoever you have in your mind is like, that's a great preacher or a minister, a minister of the faith. To come along, that's what Elisha did and said, Lord, I want something big. That's a bold prayer. And here we are, we, we're like, I don't know if God wants to be bothered with this, but Lord, would you mind, you know, healing my nephew? He's got, you know, a situation and we're kind of like cautious about coming to God. Silly. I, w- I would even say a, a less soft word and say maybe even stupid. Stupid of us. Foolish of us to not go to God the Father, the Creator, the Healer, the Provider, the Comforter. See, all of those that I just mentioned, these scriptures, these these men of God, what they had in common was an intimate relationship with the Father. Moses, David, Elijah. They had intimacy with God. An anointing of the Spirit on their life. Amen? But isn't that you too? Don't you have that same anointing? I don't know if you guys understand this, but that anointing that descended on Jesus is now available to you. It's the Holy Spirit. Why do we limit God? We say, oh, and some, some actually teach this. Some actually believe that, well, Jesus had the full Holy Spirit, and then after he ascended, you know, he just kind of had to disperse it and split it up. So now, you know, 
Peter and John, you know, in the 120 in the upper room, there was like 120 little pieces of Jesus' spirit. And then, you know, fast forward a few generations, there's like, well, now it's like a millionth, so we all got to get together and collectively pray, and maybe we'll see a healing. That's not how it works. God is infinite. He, he's not divided into little pieces. You got the same amount of God as Jesus had on him. The same anointing. And this, this is how we have grounds to ask bold prayers. It's not because of anything you've done. It's because that same power rests on your shoulders, the Holy Ghost. And he says, because God is walking with you, literally living inside of your temple, you can come to me. I, I ripped the veil. I have torn the veil. You can now enter in with boldness and say, hey, God. You remember when, when your word said this? Well, guess what? I'm calling it in. Oh, beloved, hear the words of God. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 13 through 14. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 1 John 5, 14. John 15, 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Build your faith. Get the words of God in your spirit, man. Do you believe that God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you ask or think? Do you truly have faith in the ability of God? Is there anything that is impossible for God? Is there anything that He cannot do? So then why do we shrink back so often in fear of asking something of Him? Something outrageous. I'm guilty of it too, you know. I'm preaching to myself here. It, I know it sounds crazy to pray for the end of COVID, to pray a hurricane away, whatever. Is that, is that even a is that a real prayer? Can you do that? Oh, but it didn't work last time. Oh, ye of little faith. If you say to this mountain, get up and move and be cast into the sea. God was trying to open up the same disciples' minds to the possibilities. I think we're at the same place as his students, Jesus' students. We fail to recognize what he's capable of doing. And so because of that, we're afraid to ask of things. We think, oh, that's too big. God's too busy. And we don't really believe those things. We know that he's not too, too small, that he's, not, that he's too busy. We know that's not true. But I don't think that our prayers actually reflect our beliefs our knowledge, our words of it. I think if we were to get our words, in other words, if, if we were to get our prayers in line with what we know Scripture says, that's when we would start to be praying bold prayers. I don't think we believe this word. I think when it really boils down to it, a lot of us don't act like we believe his word. Perhaps you have a terminal illness. Do you know that my God can raise the dead? Who 
cares what the doctors say? I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Like, oh, great. I've got a month to live. So what? My God has conquered the grave. Maybe you've got a backslidden child. Does not God care for even the lilies of the field? Oh, but you don't know, Pastor. My son is into drugs. Did he not create the plants from which those things were derived? Do you think that a plant is God's kryptonite? Oh, no! He's not abusing that one. What should I do? Oh, but my daughter, she's into witchcraft. Did God not create hell for the devil and his angels? Is he not above all of the demons and witchcraft and idolatry? Oh, but my husband is addicted to pornography. Did God not form the mind that holds all of the memories? Does he not know how the brain works? Is he surprised by man's behavior? Oh, beloved, pray for those in need. Don't be shy about your request. What is it that you want to see happen but have been too timid to ask for? What are some crazy things that you're not sure you really have the faith for, but you really want to happen for this church. Let's start easy. Think of it this way. We're just going to break things down real easy for you. What things do you want to happen for this church? What things do you want to happen for your family? And just pray for those. Say, I'm not sure I believe for this, but as you, as you speak them out, your faith will begin to build. Ask a child to come pray with you. I I think there's truth in this. Pastor Bill Johnson, he used to always say this. People would come up to him because he's kind of the, you know, seen as the teacher of Bethel movement out in Reading. He's since retired and he's stepped back a lot from his teaching. But he was the pastor there and they've seen great miracles and things happen. So people would come up to him and they don't really know and and not necessarily out of line, but they would come up to him and say, Pastor Bill, there's a a need in my life and I, I need you to pray for me. And he'd say, don't come to me. That's not my... I said, I'll pray if I have to, but you go find a child. They got more faith than I do. And that's what he would encourage his church. He said, go find a child that's been raised up in this church, and you go over there and ask them for healing, and they have the faith, and, they're gonna make, and God is going to make you well. He says, I will pray for them. That's absolutely right. I've got time to. It's not an issue of any of that. He said, but I don't operate in the area of gifts of healings unless God completely... He tells me to do this in a specific situation. He said, I will introduce you to people that will do it. And I think so often we have this, this idea that, oh, we've got to have all these gifts, and we've got to have all these things, and yes, God can absolutely use you to bring about an answer for a specific prayer. But you know what? It's, it's nothing that we need to be ashamed for to say, you know what? Jim Knoll, he, he operated in an area of gifts of healing. Say, Jim, I want you to pray for me. If that's what your faith latches on to you, you need someone that you believe has, has seen miracles and operates in that, great. Grab Curtis. Grab, grab somebody. Just say, you know what? I know that the, the Lord is on you, and I want you just to pray over me. It's okay to do that. But it's also okay, and sometimes more challenging, to grab a child that doesn't know anything. Because the truth is, all they know is what their parents have told them which is hopefully the word, they don't have all this discouragement of CNN, NBC, even Fox. I mean, I mean they, don't, they don't know what's going on in the world. 
They don't have any concept of pain and turmoil. They just know what God's Word says. They don't have any clue that, that people die all the time. We look at these things and we say, Sir, where's God? The child says, God wants them healed, right? Isn't that what His Word says? And so you get little Josiah praying for things that scare me to death. Who is it? One of our children says, God, would you heal all the people in the world? <laughs> is it sincere? I believe it is. You know what it's not? Tainted by life experience. What is it that you have been desiring to happen but have been too timid to ask for? What is it that you have been too lazy to make continual mention of? Do you want to see the end of cancer? Great. Pray for it in faith. Do you want to see the world come to Christ? Pray like a child that the world might be saved. Why is it that the older we get, that, the better, that is, that the better we come to know God, the less we act like he's capable of doing. Or maybe you are spiritually mature. Maybe, maybe you don't have a problem with God's capabilities. I know there's some in this room that don't. Perhaps your problem is what you think he's willing to do. Maybe you've been let down and disappointed by unanswered prayers. Maybe you think, oh, well, God... You know, last time I prayed for something like that, and you let those circumstances affect you. Do you pray for your rebellious child believing they will return to Christ? Or have you lost hope? Do you faithfully pray for this church to grow? Do you believe that things can turn around? Oh, beloved, get back to the childlike faith as you approach the throne of grace, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In whom? In Christ Jesus. Remember that your prayers are heard not on your merit, but on Christ. I know it's uncomfortable for us to think about praying things that are, that are scary, scary, bold prayers but it's not on the basis of anything that you've done. It's on the authority of Christ. Your prayers are heard on the merit of the shed blood of Christ, that perfect blood. And God looks down and he says, this, this my beloved, my son, my daughter, is praying on behalf of, of my son, my perfect lamb who died for the sin of the world. Took away all the sin. So when God looks down, what does he see? He sees a bunch of spotless people that have been washed. And it's on the basis of that when you pray, your prayers can be answered. We pray in His name. That's why we pray in His name. You don't pray in ours. Can you plead with God to bring about a revival on this land based on your own work? Well, God, you know, I've been really laboring. I know the harvest is plentiful, God, and you know that I've been working hard, and I just, I pray that, that my works and my efforts would really take fruit and, you know, take seed and give fruit and the kingdom would grow. Is that how we ought to pray? 
Or we say, God, on the basis of the name of Jesus who died on the cross, I'm claiming this whole territory for you. It's not on my ministry. It's not on your ministry. It's not on your labor, my labor. It's on the basis of His finished work that we come to God. And we don't, we don't need to plead and sort of puff up and say, well, God, I've done this and this and this for you. By the way, would you hear my prayers, God? Look how good I am. On the basis of His name. Can we plead to God for healing because we claim to have love for Jesus? Oh, but God, I love you. This person loves you. How often do we say that? Oh, well, you know, this person needs a healing, but, you know, fortunately they know Jesus. So as if, like, God's going to hear their prayer better. <laughs> Is it because you love Jesus that he's going to heal? Or because you have faith in the Son? By the stripes that he wore on his back that are already past tense and paid for. It's not about works. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, when we ask these bold requests with, without justification, we, it's not that we're asking for these bold requests without justification. It's because we come to this throne of grace in the authority of Jesus. How much authority does he have, by the way? All authority. The centurion says to him, Jesus, I'm not worthy. I, too, am a man that you know, sends words. I speak words, and they go and they do this thing. Can't you just send the word? And Jesus marveled at him and said, I have not found such faith in all of Israel. It's, Jesus is saying, finally somebody that understands. I have not found such great faith. Finally, this Gentile, of all people, this, this, this unbelieving person, this person you wouldn't expect. How many times do you see a convert come into the church and they're the ones with great faith that are shaking things up and they're you know, all giddy about Jesus and they're telling people and it's like, why God is it them? That's what the, you know, the Israelites were doing, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the keepers of the law. They had head knowledge, but they didn't put it into action. And Jesus says, this Gentile is going to shake things up. He understands my authority. And so that's how we ought to pray, is in the authority of Jesus. Because he upholds things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1.3. Let's, let's just listen to the things that the Lord possesses, the authority and power that he has. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Philippians 2.9. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He called a coin out of the mouth of a fish. He stopped the waves and the wind with a word. He spoke and a tree withered. He broke a snack and fed a multitude. All things were handed over to him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That's my God. That's the Jesus, that's the Jesus that we pray in the basis of his name. All authority. So when we're, we're praying and we're, we're making this declaration based on the reality of Jesus' action, not on anything that we've done. It's on this past tense, already done action in Jesus' name. It's not some catchphrase. It's not just some cool song. It is a great song. But it's not just something that we tack on the end of prayer as a closing. 
we're doing it and we're reminding God, saying, God, on the basis of that name that's above every name, I'm making this bold request. Now would you show your mighty hand that you would be glorified in the ends of the earth? That's the prayer that we ought to make. God, help us. Help us to see your big hand. Help us to trust your word, but in faith to take it to the next level.